Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. This is April Fallon, your host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story on your adoption show. We are super excited to be in season seven. This is also the holiday season. Yay! We love our community and the passion our listeners share just to learn more about adoption and foster care. If you are new to Adoption Now, I am the mother of four children through adoption, and I'm super grateful for the connection this podcast has brought our family. We learn things every day. We tell stories from the perspective of the adoptive parents, adoptee, and birth parents. I really believe that when you combine the three roles of the triad, you give them all a voice and you get a clearer picture of the whole story, the beauty and complexity of the adoption story. That's what we do here. We are a nonprofit, and thank you to all of you who have given us just the the voice, who have donated to us, who have helped us, who have written messages, who are partnering with us to get this message out. I do have an announcement, and I have anxiety about it. Michaela, she's here to join us, and I... I just don't even want to say it, but I have to say it because I think some of you have been wondering like, where are you? You're not as active on social media. You're not responding as quickly because we are in the process of rebuilding our website. Yay. If you're a longtime listener, you know exactly why I have anxiety about that. But we believe that we are building on a different foundation and we're really excited about just the path that we believe God has put us on. And so if you hang tight, you're going to see it. It's coming up. All right. Today, it's going to be a wild ride. I'll tell you what, this is like my fourth take on this podcast. So uh, this has got to be a good show because we've been trying to do this show forever. Michaela got sick. I got sick. My producer got sick. She is a State Farm agent. She's been a listener for four years. Her and her husband, Brandon, started their journey in Wyoming, but ended up moving to Arizona. And I'm so happy that you are finally here in studio. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited it finally worked out. I know. And when we first connected, it was like you and I were super hyper and excited. And so I can't wait to see the the energy in this next uh, 40 minutes, right? Yeah. The Gemini. The Gemini energy. You're right. How did you hear about us? I think, you know, like a lot of listeners, just looking for a resource to learn about adoption and to do it the right way. I'm just, I'm such a researcher in everything that I do. And podcasts were great because they're very educational and you hear all perspectives and yours had the highest rating. So I started listening and I've never, I've listened to every single episode. Yay, you have? Oh, so you know a lot about me. I do, yeah. It's like (laughs) I'm meeting like a real life, like celebrity. Oh no, you're so sweet. But I think that it's so fun just relating to you and you like reference my life when we were talking, you're like, remember what you went through with Lily and Bo? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm just really excited because my husband joined a baseball team and it's like, he is like a little kid playing. It's wonderful to see. And he could have never done that in Colorado, but in Arizona, yeah. they do that all year round, right? Yeah. So he's playing. And while he's playing, he meets somebody who is adopting a child. We're going to go into your story, but that has had some drug exposure in utero. And he is going to the place 
Hashibai. Yes. And I, I can help. I love this. And we needed this place. So it's and did a you know story. it's right over here? I, I want to go. Yeah. Well, I'm, I need to go pick up formula and the magic diaper cream. Well, then I'm going to go with you. Okay. All right. Let's Perfect. do it. We're going to extend <laughs> yes. our, our relationship. Perfect. Yeah. Next level, Michaela. Absolutely. I knew we could get there. <laughs> All right. Let's start in Wyoming. Yes. Okay. Let's start your process. Why did you, why were you even thinking about adoption? So again, similar to many other listeners that we hear on the show, um, a lot of paths lead to adoption after a struggle with infertility. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I have been together since I was 17 and he was 21. And the, the weekend that I graduated high school, I moved in with him and we moved to another town. So we've been together for a very long time and mm -hmm. we knew really early on that it was going to be a struggle for us. Just um, we just kind of did a basic checkup and his was abnormal. And so we kind of knew right off the bat, they said his are so abnormal that you're going to have to do IVF no matter what, if you want to conceive. Okay. So we already knew that. That was what we planned for to go down the path of IVF. So um, we got married. And then the year after we got married, we decided to start the path of IVF. We started in January, you know, so that my deductible would be met at the right, beginning of the year. Right. I had everything timed because yes. I'm all about timing. I'm a researcher. I timed it. Then we'd have the baby the same year. You know, everything would be perfect. But as we know, things don't always go according to plan. So we did two rounds of IVF and they were not successful. And right away, I kind of started looking into adoption. Because again, I'm always on to the next thing. I'm all about making it happen. So I knew I was going to be a parent. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know where our path would lead us, but I knew it was going to happen and I needed to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And Brandon, he's just along for the ride. Right. He just gets thrown into everything, but he's a trooper. So um, I kind of started looking at adoption and, you know, we were at a point where we were deciding, are we going to do more cycles of IVF? Are we totally done with this? Are we going full-fledged adoption? I went to a specialist and he, I have a lot of autoimmune issues, which is why it turns out, which is why the IVF didn't work. So oh, it wasn't okay. just my husband. Mm -hmm. It was both of us and actually mostly me. So um, I that was all I needed. And he said, you know, and I didn't want to pass on more autoimmune issues. It's mm -hmm. very genetic and... I, I didn't feel like I needed a biological child. I just wanted to, to be a mom, mm -hmm. to be a parent. And so that wasn't important to me. It was a little harder to get Brandon on board at first. Um, he comes from a family of seven kids. And, you know, that's what you do when you're, when you, you know, that's the path. You have kids. And, you know, it was hard for him to accept um, a the, different journey. A different journey. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So he, I got him on board and I made it happen. So we pursued um, adoption and I was ready to be done. I called the IVF place. I said, you can, I donated my embryos to science. I said, do with them what you will. I don't think that they're genetically correct, which is why they didn't work. So is that true? Do you think that that was really true? I do. Yeah. So, you know, kind of what I learned was, you know, a lot of it. And they say even, you know, most women, when you're trying to conceive, a lot of the reasons that you don't conceive or you miscarry really early is because it's not genetically right. And your body knows. 
knows. It knows that. And so, but most women who aren't tracking it and like on it every single day because of most IVF. Most women who aren't crazy like you. Right? Exactly. Okay. 100%. Yes. <laughs> are not obsessed with it. They don't know that. So your body kind of gets, gets, you know, miscarries naturally and you don't even know you're pregnant. You and I are so much alike. Like we're always yes. looking for the pattern. Yes. And like, how do we stop it from, you know, exactly. the next time. And right. Right. And I think a lot of women who listen to the show are like us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because they're listening because they're researchers. Right. They, they need to know the right. answers, all the answers. And so, you know, you know, your body just kind of gets rid of what mm-hmm. you, but you, most people, again, I didn't so tell time. you that. No, because of my age, because I was only 22, I think okay. when we did this. So, um, I was only like 22 or 23 and they were like, you don't need to do the genetic testing. You're so young. It's great. You're going to be fine. If I could have gone back, I would have done that. And mm-hmm. I think we would have found that they were not correct. Okay. So they usually don't recommend you need to do that genetic testing until you're over age 35 or you have some type of condition like that. So, um, I just learned something new. I, I know. I, I'm a wealth of knowledge. I I'm a researcher. You really are. <laughs> so okay. um, I said so goodbye to my over. embryos yep. and I was fine. I shut that door. Um, it actually took me a really long time because, you know, they do those announcements, the IVF announcements with like the needles and things and the heart around the baby. It took me a long time to get rid of all of those things because I, you know, kept like a little memorabilia, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took me a while to get rid of those. But once I decided adoption was our path, I was full board adoption. So when we started our home study in Wyoming, there is one place that does it in the entire state of oh. Wyoming. Luckily, it was actually, you know, small town. She actually knew my dad because my parents are teachers and she knew him from from the school district and she only lived a few hours away. So she said, "Okay, give me these papers. We'll come and do your in-person interview. And she's like, you know, it takes about a month or so. I'm like, absolutely. I will get these to you in a few days. And I did because that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) So I was able to gather absolutely everything. It was, you know, it moved along pretty quickly. We started our entire journey for our first adoption, homesteading and everything in October of 2018. We had done mm-hmm. our IVF in January. And that was actually the same month that our daughter was conceived. We just didn't know that Aww. yet. So that was really cool. And it was a very fast process for us. Our first adoption, it was, you know, part of why I wanted to share my story was after I heard a, a show, I said, well, our story's not that interesting. It's just happy. It's great. But people need to hear that too. It's so true. So, and that was Kimber. Our adoption with our daughter, Kimber, I mean, still to this day, it it was it was so flawless. It was so easy. There's always pain and heartbreak, but we have been a united front with her birth parents. We have a very open adoption. And, you know, it it's a happy story and it's a quick story. People need to hear that adoptions do happen fast. They do happen happily. Um and you can have a relationship. You can have a beautiful, awesome relationship. Mm-hmm. So, and she's going to come on the show, right? Yes, I'm yes, super she is. She's a, she's so amazing. Everyone will love to hear her story. Um, she's an incredible, incredible woman. Um, so we started our home study. It was complete by December. We worked with a very big national agency. A lot of people have heard of American Adoptions. Mm-hmm. That's who we used. Um, and we went active with them with our profile on Valentine's Day of 2019. And I got the call that we matched with our daughter. It was March or April. I can never remember which month it was. And um, I kind of, I had a feeling it was coming. Um, And my brother was cleaning out my car and he brought me this quarter that was from Kansas. And I'm like, I've never seen a Kansas quarter. That's interesting. It's actually in her baby book. Because the next day we got a call 
And they said, and I didn't expect to find out the gender because in adoption, you know, sometimes that's not something that, you know, they want to find out. And so they said, and I wanted a girl. Like a lot of moms, they want a girl. All your dreams are coming true. All my dreams. And they called and they said, you know, we have a little girl. Um, you know, if you want to accept the match. And they gave me the basic information. And I said, yes, 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 absolutely. I don't even know what you said, but yes. Right. Absolutely. They're like, do you want to talk to Brandon? I'm like, nope, it's good. He's on board. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so, um, and it was so funny. And I said, you know, where? And they're like, Kansas. And I'm like, so funny. So it's a sign. It's a sign. So, you know, we began our relationship. And that's one thing American Adoptions was really amazing is building the relationship before birth. the birth mm-hmm. and doing it in a way where everybody felt comfortable. So they introduce you via email first. And then you have a conference call where they have a representative and you have a representative. And then you kind of build your relationship from there. So um, Kimber's birth parents, and we call them Papa Mark and Mama Shannon. Okay. And they are amazing. And we have a very open adoption. Um, they actually came up this year for her her birthday. They're still together? They are not still together. Okay. But they were up until a couple months ago. Oh, okay. So, you know, they have a great relationship still. And they are they are just incredible people. Did you ever think she would change your mind? Um, You know, there's always that fear. Mm-hmm. But what is so amazing about Shannon is... She was so in touch with her feelings early on and was feeling that grief. And she said, you know, I know I'm going to be sad. This is sad. This is hard. And she started processing the pain before the birth. And I feel like, you know, a lot a lot of expectant moms when they're in in that position, there's they don't really process the grief. They don't feel all the feelings until afterwards. Mm. And then, you know, it just hits them. And I can't speak for every expectant mom or birth parent because I'm not one, but I've, I've heard of that a lot. And, you know, Shannon, she really processed her grief throughout the whole thing and really um, was open with her, how she felt the entire time and felt all the pain before the adoption even happened. And she was so strong and so amazing. And, you know, we just saw this, you know, this isn't a goodbye. It's a see you later. When with we the left baby. with the baby. Yeah, I like that. So, you know, I think that that's why I didn't, you know, there's always in the back of your mind that they could change their mind. But at the end of the day, you have no control over that. And I'm really trying to come to a place in my life where I don't stress about the things I can't control. Mm-hmm. And I can't control what choice they decide is best for them and for the baby. I can just be here and support and do everything I can. Right. And so it went well. It went well. And you were back home. And how long before you wanted to start the process again? So we came back home to Wyoming and we just continued this seamless, beautiful relationship with Shannon and Mark. And Kimber loves her birth parents. She actually told me last night, because I would say, Kimber, how'd you get so beautiful? How'd you get so talented? How'd you, how'd you get so special? And she goes, oh, well, mom, I'm special because I'm adopted and I have two moms and two dads. Ah, that is so sweet. So that was really sweet. That, that was I just love hearing those things because she's really accepting her birth story. So then I was offered a position to open a state farm office in Arizona. And we, my husband and I have never lived anywhere besides Wyoming. That's where our families live. That's where we were born and raised. We didn't go anywhere. And we took a leap and we opened this office and we moved here in December of 2020. And I wanted my kids to be close in age. And although it really wasn't feasible to start a new business from scratch. And do an adoption. And do an adoption. (laughs) And I, but I decided 
I want another baby. Let's do it. So I started the process January of this year to adopt again. And Arizona's a little bit different Mm -hmm. than Wyoming. Wyoming, it was, like I said, everything was so seamless. It was so quick. Um, The home study was super easy. They come, they do one visit. It's done. You get your paperwork in. Arizona's a little bit different. So in Arizona, the home study process, you fill out all your paperwork and you have to meet with somebody twice. They have to do two separate visits on two separate occasions. And then they compile their report. They send it to their next level up to be approved. And then in other states, they that report is then given back to you and your home study approved. It's done. Right. In Arizona, you have to send it to your local court. They have to sign off. And then you get your certification in the mail. From, okay. From your do you ever county. get your home study? Yes, you do. Okay. So, And our home study was actually done through American Adoptions. Okay. So they do home studies in Arizona. They're actually oh, very good at what okay. they do with those. Um, and they're pretty affordable too. Because in Colorado, you cannot have your home study. Oh, really? They will not give it. I don't know if it was our agency, but both agencies we use would not give us our home study. And that's frustrating because there's, when you go through a lawyer or you're going to go out of state, they want to see your home study, right? right? They're not going to match you. And we'd be like, oh, we have to first beg our agency. It was like this control thing with the home study. That's so And they thought, yeah. other states thought that was super bizarre. That is but, bizarre. Okay. I've never heard that. So no. you do get to see what's on there. and Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, and you they, should. Yeah, you your should. Information and, and American Adoptions is nice because they have it online too. So like I could log in right now and look at it. Oh, okay. Which is cool. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, we have like an online version and then they mailed us one. But you have to wait. So luckily, because we're in a county that's a little bit smaller than like the Phoenix area, mm-hmm. they're very quick. So they were pretty quick with their turnaround. How long? Um, I want to say it was like three weeks, three oh, or four weeks. Oh, very quick. Yeah, it was very quick. Where they say... Um, in Maricopa wow. County, you can wait up to like 12 weeks. Right. So that's the benefit of being down there. Because I was panicking. They're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to get us back, get back in time because we actually matched before we oh, received you did. that in the mail. Really quick. Yes. Let's talk about American adoptions price. Oh, boy. Okay. So when we signed on with them, again, pre-COVID, adoption expenses skyrocketed because of COVID. Okay. Um, but before, so our daughter's adoption, when we kind of signed on, they told us it'd be between like 50, 60,000. What? Hers ended up being about 70,000. What is happening? Exactly. $70,000? $70,000. 67,000 and some change, but pretty close to $70,000. Yes. So thank goodness for home equity line of credit. Right. But, um, then when we, Went because we had such a great experience the first time. They were quoting us between seventy and ninety thousand, <gasps> and when we were quoted before that base 000? price, that's like surrogacy now. That's like the price, yeah, of surrogacy. I know, and I'm like, wow. And then their wait time has like tripled. It's what it seems like to me is they have so many people coming to them because they are so big that they're trying to get people to kind of turn themselves away. Because oh, of the price right. and the wait time, because they also said, "Oh, I don't want to pay ninety thousand. Why yeah, don't you go to a different agency?" Yeah. yeah, but you know they're not going to say that. They're not right. going to say we don't want you. So here's this giant price tag. Most people cannot afford this. So that's awful. Look elsewhere. But it you is. know what? It's really sad. I just did a pre-interview Georgia adoption, and she told me her agency told her the reason why, and this kind of makes sense that it's gone up so much because of COVID is because everything was shut down. So people were not going to bars. They were yep. not going to dance clubs. They told me that too. No one was getting accidentally pregnant yep. because they were at their house. And so there were less unwanted pregnancies. Yep. 
Yep, I heard that too. That's what, that's, me, that's what they told I mean, me. That's what they told me. It kind of makes sense. It does but... make sense. It does make sense. They said, you know, less socializing led to less activity. Right. So less babies. Right. So Oh my yeah. gosh. And that's they crazy. and they did say, you know, that they're the amount of babies that are, you know, coming through was down by like 40% or something like that. And there's a Facebook page with American adoption families. You have to either be in the process or have adopted. And there are people on there that have been waiting years. Wow. And when we when we signed on, our wait time quoted was three months to a year to match. It is now two to three years to match. And I said, oh my goodness. I think you there's said, other ways. I can't wait. I said, I cannot wait and I cannot pay that. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so you're not going to go. But you didn't have anything bad to say about American no, adoption. It was they, just the price. It was just the price, okay. and which was disappointing kind of for us. Yeah. Because they really were so good at what they did. I mean, they have everything, like I said, how they, because the experience we had with the agency our second time around was not like American adoptions oh. at all. So that one was a struggle because we came from this incredibly organized, meticulous. I mean, they have systems in place for everything. They're huge advocates of birth parents, positive adoption language. They truly care about the birth families. They love them. They they want this to happen mm -hmm. for everybody. And they want to help you. Right. And not every agency is like that. You would think so. We would like to think that. Right. But it's not always the case. That's true. But okay, too expensive, but you self-matched. How'd you do it? We did. We did. So we used an adoption consulting agency. Ooh. And they are in Phoenix. Okay. And they are amazing. So I looked at two different consulting agencies. Um, one of them is Pearl Adoption Advisory, and they're here in Phoenix. She's out of Phoenix, Katie. And she's the owner of Pearl Adoption Advisory. And then we looked at another one, and it's escaping who they are, but they're the, the biggest one that I've heard of, the biggest um, consulting agency. Okay. They're all over. National. Okay. National. So Katie does work nationally, but she's primarily based out of Arizona. So when okay. I reached out to her, um, she, you know, mentioned there were a lot of families and, you know, she kind of had a full book, but because we were local to Arizona, they have a lot of birth moms that want a family that's local to Arizona. Okay. So she was willing to take us on, even though it was a, I was a bit of a hot mess and, Okay. With our schedule. Is that what she told you? No, no, no. You're I had for, mess. I, I inferred really that for myself. This. And she said, okay, well, when you fill this out, do this, do this. And I'm like, okay. And then I kept doing it wrong. Anyways. Okay. But what's that price tag? For her, I want to say 4000 Okay. For the Like that's consulting. all you're going to pay her to that's help all you, pay you her. match. Okay. And she does everything. She helps you with your book. She, I would have not survived this adoption process with our son if I did not have Katie calming me down and answering my hysterical phone calls. So I truly can never thank her enough for obviously connecting us to our son's birth mother, but also just the role she played in getting me through everything and connecting me with resources and walking me through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. There's there's something to be said about somebody who can say to you, don't worry, this is normal. Yes. Or this is not normal. Let me look into it, right? Because you don't even know what behavior often is normal. Mm -hmm. And in your case, you had a Similar situation to ours. Yes. I really could have used a Katie. Yes, you could have. Yeah. Everybody, everybody in adoption needs a Katie. And so she's she's incredible. I I can't recommend her enough because that that four thousand dollars is a drop in the bucket with what she does for you mentally. And she has an entire team now. 
So she's she's doing really amazing things for adoption. Again, they're very pro open adoption, navigating open adoption. So I just love everything that she stands for. Their mission is so adoption positive. Okay, so how long before you were matched? So we matched very quickly. So we got our home study. It was kind of a similar timeline to Kimber. Um, we our home study, I think, was in the we kind of we sent it off around like March. So when I was working with Katie, we were working on our profile book. And it was very hard to, my husband's a very big hunter and it was very hard to find a photo of him without like a gun or a, a dead animal, yeah. a gun, his sunglasses on, something like that. So we were going back and forth with edits on the book, edits on the book, edits on the book. And then she calls me. She said, I have a case that you can present to. So the biggest reason I like a consulting agency is you get to choose first if mm-hmm. you want to present your family to the expectant mother. Where like American adoptions, you say I'm open to this drug exposure, this ethnicity, um, these medical history details. And if it fits, you match. You don't have a choice. That's it. You match. Okay. Where consulting, she has an opportunity that's presented to her from several different agencies. So she works with agencies, attorneys from all over. They present her with an opportunity. We're looking for this. Okay. For example... In our case, she wanted a deer hanging. Yes. She was yes. looking for a guy holding a gun. <laughs> yes. Who always wears the sunglasses and doesn't right. like to smile. Absolutely. <laughs> so she was looking for a family in Arizona that already had a child. Oh, And okay. like she had mentioned to us before, that's kind of why she was bringing us on because they, a lot of families want a local family. The birth mother wants, yeah, she wants to stay open in state. Adop- yeah. yeah. For open adoption. Absolutely. And so she didn't have a lot of people that fit that. And the agency that the birth mother was using, um, they didn't have anyone that fit that. They didn't have any families. So okay. they went to Katie and she said, if you want to present to this, you need to get it to, to them by the end of the day, your profile book. And she's okay. like, but your profile book is not done. We just approved it this morning. Oh, so what are we, So she's like, so we need to, if we're going to present to this, we have to rush order this. We have to get it printed. It has to be bound, et cetera. So she's like, most places take like a week to do that. So my assistant and I called all these different print shops in the entire area near where this adoption agency was. And we finally found one amazing gentleman who said not only would he do it, everyone else was like, oh, 48 hours, two days. I'm like, no, we have to do it by 5 p.m. tonight or at the latest 8 tomorrow morning. And he not only bound it for us, printed it, did everything, he delivered it for us, and he just wanted to know what happened. So he got it there in time. He dropped it off in the morning, and we found out that evening that she had picked us. Oh, my goodness. Which was amazing. Okay, everybody, I want you to just buckle up. Yes. Because this story is a lot. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a it's it was a rough ride. It was yes. it's worth it. It's worth it, but it's a rough ride. Okay, so you meet her and you know drugs are part of the story Not or you yet. don't know yet. Okay. Not yet. So the, the information we were given was very limited. Okay. But it had said no. But did you say you would say yes to drug exposure? Yes. Okay. I did. I what did. What made you say yes to that? Um Katie She kind of said to me this, she was very black and white with me, which I really appreciated because that's the kind of person I am. She said, you are a Caucasian family with a Caucasian daughter. The chances of a different race, like African-American choosing you is not very likely. Now, Caucasian is more likely for drug exposure in the area that we're in. Really? That's what she told me. Really? 
from what they're seeing these days okay. right now in this area. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know, she just Was said- Was it hard for you guys? I just asked that because people are thinking that right now. Debating the drug exposure. Well, yeah, you're paying yeah. a lot of money and it's like, this is what we were thinking. We're paying a lot of money and we don't want to say yes to drug exposure because if I was actually giving birth, that's something I could control, right? You can't control like a birth defect or those things, but you can. And so we were like, no, it was so scary right. to us. We were and very, no. we were matched and like riding that ride. And, yeah. but you were like, okay, I'm, I'm in it. Yes. So with Kimber, we were no, 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 nothing. Right, right. And Mama Shannon. Baby. <laughs> yes, a yeah. perfect baby. And my aunt was like, that doesn't happen, Michaela. I'm like, look at Kimber. So um, in Mama Shannon, she's like, I did drink some wine before I found out I was pregnant. I'm like, oh my goodness, Mama Shannon. <laughs> she's Aww, she's so just an sweet. angel. Yeah. She's just an angel. Um, so what we knew, what was listed on the paper that we presented to, um, we knew it was a boy. Okay. He was due, his due date was my birthday, Oh, June 4th, which was really cool. So I was like, that's a sign. Mm-hmm. It's my birthday. Um, he ended up having like five different due dates. But um, right, right. that yep. was the one initially. So, um, and the information listed as far as drug exposure was that there was none. No drug exposure at okay. all. So, I mean, that's pretty much all we knew. We were so excited. Um, we just really wanted to meet her. So how the consulting agency works with the adoption agency is basically you present to this person, you now work with that agency because they're representing the birth mother. Right. So that's now your agency. So um, she said, don't send any money until we set up a match meeting. So we set up a couple match meetings and they kind of would not go through. Um you know, she kind of fell off and would come back. And How kinda, far along was she? Ooh. Um, well, again, the due dates were very all over the place. So at this time, we believe that she's probably about five or six months. Okay. So you're going to be in this for if, the long haul. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, we're close, but there's still a lot of time um, to navigate this relationship. But we were so excited that we got to meet her in person because with Kimber, we didn't get to meet her birth parents beforehand. I mean, we could have, but they lived in Kansas. We were in Wyoming. So the fact that we got to meet her, I was so excited. I was so nervous. And they say, you know, it's like the most awkward blind date because it's so important. You just want them to like you. They're feeling the same way. And so, you know, we were just really, really nervous. And so then by the time we actually get the meeting set up, of course, we're 30 minutes early. And they were about 45 minutes to an hour late. So now I'm like real panicking. I'm sweating. I've got butterflies in my stomach. And she comes in and, you know, she's she's beautiful and she's 4'10", which Aww, is so the real, she's little, she's she's adorable. Um, but what's so funny about that is Kimber's birth mom is 5'10". Oh. Yes. So, um, she, and we're, so we thought that was really cool. And, you know, my favorite question to ask is, you know, why did you pick us? And she said that she picked us because she could tell from our photos where we were from. And that was around where she grew up. Okay. So she knew, you know, we were very local. She loved that. She loved that we have horses and do a lot of outdoorsy things because her older kids also enjoy those activities. Okay. Does she have her older kids? Um, She kind of does. Okay. Um. So was this going to be her first placement? This was her first placement. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is her first placement. So from the meeting, um, there were there were a few red flags kind of right off the bat. Um, you know, really long bathroom visits. Oh, okay. That's a big one that I was like, in, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, oh, that's, that's kind of a long, long journey. But, you know, what do I know? So um, 
Your but bathroom your bathroom break was a long journey. Yes, it was. It was <laughs> just the beginning of this journey. So, you know, there there were a few things. And then um, afterwards, our the representative of the adoption agency, she said, okay, there's some major red flags here. And I was like, what? No, it was great. It was perfect. We like her. She likes us, we think. You know, it seems so good. She said, no, you know, there's definitely a lot of red flags. Um, they couldn't get her birth, her, not birth records, um, prenatal visit. She had said she had a prenatal visit, could never get the records. So, and from the very beginning, the communication with this agency was very hard for me because I'm, you know, I communicate and American Adoptions was always, I was always in the loop. From day one, when we, when we matched, I had all the information. It was like pulling teeth to get any information, any paperwork, mm-hmm. anything at all. And just to get my phone call to be answered, mm-hmm. which you know, talking to Katie, Katie's, you know, there for me to vent to, she said, you know, this is actually more normal than your experience. And she, you know, from day one, she said, you know, Kimber's adoption, abnormal. This kind right. of adoption, more normal. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know that, but... Can somebody call me back? Yes, I just would like a call back. Yeah. Like, if she could just give me, you know, an expectation of when she'll call me back. How old was this birth mom? She was 31. Oh, Okay. So older. Older. Mm-hmm. And did you know birth dad? Did we did dad? not. Okay. We did not. not we, mention. we knew nothing um, except that the paperwork, what the paperwork said mm-hmm. was birth dad does not want to be in the picture. And that was it. Birth dad doesn't want to be in the picture. Um, we did know that birth dad was Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's all we knew. And that he w- does. Um, and then his, his job title was in there. That was all the information we had on birth dad. So at the time, you know, it wasn't divulged to us that birth dad and birth mom are already have a child together. Oh. Yes. And that child's five. So, you know, that was a big red flag that we kind of had to piece together looking at her paperwork Mm because she kind of put, you know, I have children of these ages he has a child of this age. And we kind of had to say, wait a minute. So they both have a child that same age mm-hmm. or they have this child together. So we were able to figure out that they have this child together. And, you know, as an adoptive parent, you know, that's a little bit nerve wracking because they already have right. a child together. Right. This is her first placement. She does, you know, have three other children. So, you know, that made us a little bit nervous, but um, I still felt really positive. And then she said to us, you know, with a lot of the in and out communication, you know, losing a phone here, getting a new phone there, missing appointments, not getting records. Mm-hmm. I suspect drug use. Okay. And we said, okay, yeah. All right. Drug We're use. in it. We're in it. Okay, cool. Yeah. We, we can do this. We can do this. We can do hard things. I told myself that over and over in this journey. We can do hard things. We can do hard things. So drug use was suspected. So then, I mean, the the journey just kind of continues with just a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos. Right. Which We've, drugs bring? And you're trying bring? to make sense of it I'm trying when to you don't do drugs. Exactly. And you're like, what is, I don't even, yes. there's no sense to be made. I mean, you're if you suspect that your birth mother is doing drugs, things will happen like she's screaming one day about how you don't take care of her or she's just uh, unconsolable, right? Or she disappears comes back. Oh, wait, she has a different phone. Her phone number changes a lot. And you're trying to be like, what is going on? Right. Don't try 
to figure it out. Don't try to figure it out. Because you can't. No. And, and that was very hard for me. And it was just the lack of knowing because I'm worried, you know, we don't hear from her for a week mm-hmm. or two weeks. She misses appointments. And then the agency isn't keeping me in the loop. And they're kind of acting like I'm just a real pain, which I, I totally am. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was very, very hard for me with her missing the doctor's appointments. Yeah. I'm like, is everything okay? Right. Is the baby okay? Mm-hmm. Um, well, then we get a call that there was an anonymous person who let them know that not only, yes, confirming that there is drug use, but it is very heavy drug use and it's fentanyl. (gasps) Fentanyl? Fentanyl. Oh my gosh. Fentanyl is scary because we don't know much about it. Exactly. Exactly. So as soon as I was given that information, I contacted Katie, my support Mm -hmm. person. And she said, I have a great contact for you. I think she'll be able to address your concerns. And so she connected me with Amy, who is amazing. And she's a pediatric nurse. Mm-hmm. She's also the adoptive mom of five. Oh, yes. I want her on the show. You you need her on the show. She's amazing. And she, um, I want to say three of her five were drug exposed. And she is just an expert. And not only is she an expert at addressing concerns with drug exposure, but also how to explain adoption to your kids. And she has like these little stuffed animals that she sends you a link to. Aww. So we have a little stuffed animal animal uterus and little stuffed animal feelings. And, you know, we talk about that. So Amy was amazing. And a lot of what she told me was that helped address my concerns that I find could be very helpful for listeners because it, when I brought it to Brandon, he was like, I don't know. That's, that's heavy. That's, that's not just like a little bit of drug use. That's a lot of drug use. And that's a very scary drug. And we talked to Amy. And then after we talked to Amy, we were full board. We could do it. Well, what was it that she said that made you feel like you could do it. So she she broke it down for me in several different ways. Um, one of them was she's a, you know, we don't know the long-term effects, but a lot of issues that come from drug use, ADHD, mm-hmm. ADD, all these different things that people have, anxiety disorders, different things like that. It's hard to pinpoint because studies aren't showing a child that they follow that was adopted, a child through foster care or a child that stayed in that situation. There's not a separate study for each of those to play into, is it actually the drug that did this? And also a lot of birth parents or not, well, not birth parents, but anybody who uses, are they, do they have maybe an undiagnosed disorder? They pass that on and it's really a genetic issue. Right. But they were trying to deal with that by using. That's how they, you know, buried their pain or dealt with whatever they were struggling with because they are not diagnosed with something. Which it was in our case. Exactly. Mom was not diagnosed with ADHD. Neither was dad. And so they went to drugs to soothe what they were dealing with. Right. Exactly. And so now we have drug use. But I will say as a mom... After nine years of a child who's been exposed, it is a journey. It's a it's journey. It's different than just if you want a healthy child, right? It's very different. And we all have different issues and there could be genetic things that are happening. Yeah. But that's my point is that you're going to have to get genetic testing if you're seeing because you want to rule that out. And like the process that we've had with Lily has been a whole journey. It's right. been a beautiful and a wonderful journey that has changed me the most in my entire life. I yes. can barely talk about her without crying. Right. I love her so much yeah. because I see how hard she has fought. But yeah. I also know that Noah and I have fought like you yeah. so hard to get the resources that she needs to, right. to get to the answers, to figure it out, to talk to her birth mother, to really help her. And I think if you would have told me early on, you're going to have to go through all this, I would have been like, I'm, I can't. I just, yeah. I don't have right. it in me. I do have it in me. You I do. do love her. 
But if I was to say, if you adopt a child that has been exposed, it's a piece of cake and it's it's easy, just yeah. just normal and easy, that would also be misleading, yes. right? You hope yes. for the best case scenario. You really do. Right. And I remember getting some sort of counseling and they were saying, sometimes it doesn't even go in. Like it doesn't pass through the umbilical cord. They told me that. Oh. Like, so sometimes the baby doesn't even detox. And I have heard that yeah. sometimes they don't. Yeah. And so I was hoping for that, that situation. Right. Yeah, we, we hoped for that too. <laughs> not the situation. And like you and yeah. I talked about, it was months and months of baby detoxing and it comes out in different ways. They don't eat or there's so many different things, but everybody needs an Amy. Everybody, yes. you know, the, the blog I was following, which is why I do the show, she kept me going. I yeah. would just read her blog and she'd be like, today the baby threw up five times and I yeah. can't get anything down and I feel like a bad mom. And I would just, and she, of course she was just talking about her feelings, but little did she know yeah. she was helping this right. new mom who had no roadmap. Yeah. And that's what we need is for you and I to go ahead and be that roadmap. Yeah. And that sounds like, that's what Amy Absolutely. was for you. That's what Amy was. And she, you know, she kind of explained that surprisingly, fentanyl is not known for a lot of like long lasting lifetime effects, mm -hmm. that that's more, you know, your alcohol mm -hmm. and cigarettes. So those are still the worst thing to do, even though fentanyl is such a scary, awful drug. She said the hard thing with fentanyl is the withdrawal process. Yes. And that was incredibly okay. true. That that was really hard. So so hospital, go to the hospital. All right. We're going to go to the hospital. So. Um, so Coulter's birth mother went in and she was very far along. She was almost at 40 weeks. She was 39 weeks and three days. Like he was in there a long time, which everyone's like, great, that's awesome. He was in there a long time, but that's longer that he was exposed. And the bigger he gets, the drugs are in the fat and the more exposure he got in utero, the harder his withdrawals are going to be. Okay. So a lot of the babies um, are premature. And they actually have less of a withdrawal period because they aren't exposed as long. Mm -hmm. So um, he, this hospital dropped the ball in every sense of the word. Oh, no. They immediately just saw drug mom, drug baby, which was so infuriating for me. Um, they completely dropped the ball. They shut the door on us. They, they, it was just terrible. It was really sad. It was really sad. And, you know, when you're an adoptive parent and you're going through this journey and papers are not signed, you don't even think about that. Your job is to be supportive and to be and to be there for the birth mother. So and we love her. We love our birth mothers. I know you say it all the time. We love our birth mothers. Mm -hmm. So your job is to be their advocate, especially when the hospital's right. not doing it. Right. So I kind of, you know, it was kind of hard because we didn't know her place. And, you know, she had, we walked right in. We thought that she was going to be in labor for a long time. And she had had the baby an hour before. Oh, my gosh. He was beautiful, perfect, healthy, wonderful. Everything was great. Uh, gorgeous head of hair. How much did he weigh? He was seven pounds, six ounces. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Big baby. Mm -hmm. Again, longer yes. drug exposure. So, um, and then they totally dropped the ball. They stopped her Pitocin. Which apparently you're not supposed to do. Right. I don't know that because, you know, I've never given birth, mm -hmm. so I don't know. But um, the adoption agency was like, you're not supposed to do that. And so she started hemorrhaging and clotting. And like she was like in so much pain, like completely white. Like you could tell, like she couldn't even talk, like so much pain. And, you know, she said, you know, can I get something for the pain? And they say, oh, no. Right. We, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're already, you know, we're judging you. So uh, you can have an Advil. 
And I mean, she was in severe pain. Mm -hmm. And so finally it took um, another nurse coming in and she said, oh my goodness, this is a problem. And so they had to like push massive amounts of cloth out of her. She lost so much blood. I can't even remember how much it was. And then they just left her. And you have two bracelets. So birth mom had one and we had one. The bracelet has to stay with the baby. So they move the baby and us to another room. But this is after seven hours of being there. They move us to another room. They give me no formula, nothing. And I'm like, he needs to eat. He needs to eat. And then again, they're just like, yeah, no, no, you're fine. Like they wanted nothing to do with us. Nothing. They had, I mean, it just felt like they judged us from the very beginning. They made their opinions on what they thought was going on with this scenario. And it was really sad. It was awful. Um, So we're in the room with the baby and I'm like, I want to check on her, but I can't leave the baby. And I'm not going to send Brandon to go check on her. (laughs) She wouldn't find that comforting at all. He'd be like, hey, what can I get you? My sunglasses on. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, it was really hard. We kind of just had to wait for the agency to come back and they didn't bring her over to that room. She gave birth at seven in the morning until almost nine o'clock at night. When they brought her to the room, she still had her epidural in her back. (gasps) I mean, they just... And during this time, we're with the baby and we were kind of, you know, hoping because, you know, withdrawals can set in right away. It all depends the last time um, the last Mm -hmm. time she used, how much she was using. So many different factors play into when the baby's going to start withdrawing. But we were seeing signs right away because, again, Amy, she black and white tells you exactly what to expect, exactly what's going to happen, all the tips and tricks to how to get through this. And so, you know, we started he started with the tremors. The tremors were the first thing that started. Um, and, and the hospital said, oh, no, 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 that's a, that's a startle reflex. What? I said, I, you know, and we're telling them, like, you know, birth mother's been honest with us. We know that there's fentanyl. Right. You know, we know that there's fentanyl. He's clearly withdrawing and he needs help. He couldn't eat. Um, his first, like, 24 hours of life, he barely had, like, two ounces. And he could not eat because the disorganized eating is a right. big issue. Right. He could not eat. And they're like, oh, well, he's pooping, so he's fine. Well, he had diarrhea because oh withdrawal. And I said, listen, like we're telling you, they finally bring um, birth mother over and she's telling them too. She said, listen, you know, he might be withdrawing. Can you help us? Can you help us? Can you help us? And so somebody comes in they're like, oh, all babies have trouble eating. You just got to do this. You just, you know, he's fine. He's fine. We're like, I don't think he's fine. I don't think he's fine. So, th- but again, they were just dropping the ball and, you know, what do we do? So we just, you know, did our best to take care of him, try to get him to eat as much as we can get him to eat. And the diarrhea was constant. So we're mm-hmm. like, they're like, well, maybe, you know, something's got to be going in because it's coming out. But again, knowing what we know now, right. that's a symptom of NAS. So the neonatal abstinence syndrome. So, um, which is opioid exposure mm-hmm. in utero. And they rate it on a scale of like one to 10, yes. what the symptoms are. Yes. So, um, which is just dependent on the nurse. Right. Yes, absolutely. And the facility too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was really messy. There were, um, there were a few situations in the hospital, drug use at the hospital. She was using at the hospital. At the hospital. Um, yep. In, in the bathroom. And, you know, we had, we had thought, you know, you know, she wanted time with the baby without us there. And they couldn't okay. put us in another room, which was understandable. I think there were like 12 babies born that day. And wow. so, you know, it was very, it was so hard to leave because, he had no, you know, nothing's been signed. And I said, you know, I'll stay here. I'll help take care of him. And, you know, she had wanted that time with him. But I also think the privacy to use. So there's a lot of different signs that I didn't know. And, you know, during, and then, you know, the next day when we were there, 
we really bonded and, you know, I felt like we built this like really beautiful connection. Um, she was so open with us about her entire life. I felt like so bonded to her. I felt like we built this really awesome relationship. And then we kind of almost got into a drug deal <gasps> a little bit. You were a part of a drug deal? Almost. So An almost drug deal? An almost, okay. yes. So it, it, it was all after that day, you know, and I feel like, you know, she throughout the day she had mentioned several times, my friend's going to bring some baby clothes. My friend's going to bring some baby clothes. But were you thinking, why the yes. baby's coming home with us? Okay. Right. And so I'm like, okay. But you didn't want to be rude. No, absolutely. And I said, you know, that's amazing. That's so sweet of her. And she um, she said, yeah, this random person came up. But the story had like changed. And me- she'd mentioned it so many times. Oh, I'm like, okay. what is it with these baby clothes? And then she kept saying, my friend's coming, my friend's coming. And we're like, okay, that's great. You know, we that sounds awesome. And then, um, you know, the night's kind of getting later. We've had this really wonderful day. And she said, you know, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to have my friend come bring these clothes. And she's like, would you guys mind bringing them up to me? If, you know, can you go meet and bring them up to me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, any way we can help. Absolutely. We'd love to help you. She's like, do you think I'm allowed to leave? I'm like, I mean, I think you're allowed to leave. You have a band. You just come back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know why you couldn't. Because again, we're not thinking anything bad. I'm thinking we just built something so beautiful. We have this trust. We have this bond. You know, we just felt so close with her. And... Then I, and then she says, you know, I'm going to take a shower. So we go, okay, cool. Take a shower. You know, we got the baby. We're all in the same room. Spent all day together. And then she said, um, and when my friends comes, here's some cash. And she just like gives it to me. And I was like, oh, she said, for gas money, for gas money. And I said, oh, okay. This is like a lot of cash. I'm like, okay. Um, now this feels weird. And so I go over and I sit down and my husband has the baby. And he said, Akila, it's a drug deal. I was like, no, 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 no. What do you mean? And then I like thought about it and I was like, oh, okay. So I don't know what to do because I've already accepted the cash. So I I go out of the room and I call the agency and they're like, 100%, that's a drug deal. You cannot do that. You cannot exchange cash. You need to go give that back. So I'm like, okay, okay. So when I walk in the door, there's just this overwhelming smell of like burnt rubber. And I'm like, huh. Never smelled that before. Now, as time has gone on, she's been in the bathroom for several hours. Hours. You heard that correctly. Hours. She's been there for at least two hours. And no baby clothes have arrived. No baby clothes have arrived. So I go back out and I said, okay, this is, I smell this really weird smell. She's like, does it smell like burning rubber? And I said, yes, that's it. And she's like, that is fentanyl. I was like, oh my goodness. So she was using in the bathroom. And I said, well, she's been in there for like hours. And I guess what happens when you use, and again, I don't know this personally, you use and then you kind of like pass out and then you come to. Okay. But you're kind of losing your sense of time. Okay. So that's why she was in there for so long. So I said, what do I do? And she said, whatever you got to do, get rid of the cash. So I go up to the front desk to talk to the nurse and she calls up these two security guards. And it was like, you know that movie Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. It was a little similar to that. I was like, I don't know what security guards these guys. And they said, and I said, here's the situation. And they said, are you concerned there's paraphernalia in the room? And I said, absolutely. They said, are you concerned that there is, that she's using? And I said, absolutely. They said, okay, well, so do you want us to search her room? And I was like, no, 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 not at all. They said, but here's the situation I'm presented with. I don't know what to do. I have this cash. She wants this thing to be brought up. Is there like some excuse I can do? What can I do? Help me. Can you guys help me? Yes. And then the head nurse was, the head nurse, her name was Ginger. 
she was helpful. She was the only helpful person we had that entire time. She's the one that actually eventually brought the baby to the NICU and they made the decision to send him to this very beautiful place we're going to talk about in a second. Yes. So they were not helpful at all, these security guards. And I said, listen, you know, we're her advocate. We we built this trust with her. I don't want her to think. Right. We're telling on we're her. We're telling on her. This is concerning. But right. I don't know what to do because mm-hmm. like, I don't want her to think that I think it's a drug deal and I don't want to do the wrong thing. Definitely don't want to break the law and bring drugs in here. I don't know what to do. So I had a genius plan. I went back and I said, she's finally out now. And I said, I cannot take this cash because during adoption, you know, there can't be any bribery and there's cameras in the hospital. mm -hmm. So they might see me with the cash. And I'm probably just being a crazy, like overprotective mom, but I just don't want anything to disrupt this adoption plan. Okay. And she said, okay, well, um... Can you just bring me the stuff and like leave it out there? What does your car look like? And I'm like, oh my god! Oh no 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 no! I said I said I just really you know I don't feel comfortable. You know, Brandon, I need to go, and and I said you know the the security guard said since it's past visiting hours that they can bring it up to you. She's like, okay, that's fine. Um, but yeah, if you just want to leave the cash by your card, I'm like, I can't do anything with the cash. I can't do the cash. She's like, oh well, you could just bring the baby clothes. I'll just have my friend meet you. What's your car? And I said. Oh I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, I'm so sorry. So as we're leaving, I I mean, this is late at night. This is like- Are you leaving the baby? We're leaving the baby. Mm-hmm. Why are you leaving the baby? She didn't want me to stay. And I mean, it, okay, this is- Okay, so in this situation in Florida, this would not have happened because- Either uh, social services come in or your agency, you know, somebody needs to be there because mom, this baby is not going to be able to go home with mom. And so she wouldn't be able to be left alone. I'm confused at why Arizona saw what was happening. You were telling them she's using and then and they didn't. They, they left the baby with her. Yeah. So I said, so on our way out, I talked to Ginger and I said, listen, you know, I'm very worried because I I know she's using mm-hmm. in there with the baby. The fumes are there. Fentanyl is so potent. Like you, like when I walked into that room and I smelled it, I like got dizzy immediately. Like right. it is such a powerful drug. It's insane. Even Brandon was like, oh, I feel a little funny. And I was like, <laughs> you're fine. Um, so, it, you know, me, I have no control. Um, consents are not signed until 72 hours after birth. Mm-hmm. And her choice, she wanted to stay with the baby alone and she wanted us to leave. I just can't believe that that was even an option. Was it because the nurses didn't think the baby was detoxing? I just think they didn't care. Did, I think did they he just go on a off. feeding tube at all? He did. He did. Mm-hmm. So that night I went home. I literally ripped out my hair extensions. It's not even a joke. I was hysterical. So stressed. Because there yeah. is there's no control. I'm terrified for the baby. Right, right. I'm terrified that she thinks we just tattle. I don't know what she's thinking. I don't know if she thinks that we like tattled on her or like we think that this drug deal is going on, which is, but or she might change her mind. She, but you know yeah. the baby's not going home with her. Yes. So then the baby's gonna be placed in foster care. Right. So so and she had made it very clear that she knows very much about that, a lot about that system mm-hmm. and she didn't want that. But I mean, you're you have no control. I'm terrified for the baby. He's withdrawing. He's not drinking any milk. He's in full blown withdrawals, tremors, oh. everything. Mm-hmm. The only symptom he never had was throwing up. Coincidentally enough, is the issue we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. But that was the only NAS symptom he did not have. Everything else he had. And on our way out, we said the nurse said, "I'm going to take him to the NICU or to the not the NICU, um, the the baby place where they sleep." What's that place called? It is called it's like the a NICU. nursery. Well, no, not the NICU. Like the they take them. 
Okay, so yeah. like the baby floor or whatever. The baby floor, yeah. yeah. She's like, I'll take him there to rest, to get her some rest. I said, yeah, that's perfect. If somebody can keep an eye on the baby, that you know, I'm just really worried about that. And so I'm leaving not knowing what she's thinking and terrified for the baby because, you know, she's, she could pick him up and drop him. I mean, anything could happen. So... I literally am crying hysterically. And it was my birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> so he birthday. was born. He was born close. the day before my okay. birthday. So it was my birthday. It was like, it was like the worst birthday because, you know, again, this day was so magical. Yeah. And then it just because of drugs. I can't believe that agency did not show up at the hospital. Like the story they is did. very. Okay. They did. They were in and out um, a little bit. They did come to the agency. But yeah, a lot of things happened that should Usually never they have happened. even give you a band. Like you're a part of the whole thing, especially when drugs are involved. You have a little bit more say in yeah. what happens, right? Yeah. They are going to default to you because you're the adoptive mom potentially. Right. Yeah. And you're also not on drugs. So right. usually you have more say. And we always tell everyone, never leave your baby. Yeah, like and, and the agency told us that they said the they said do everything you can mm -hmm. to stay here. I said I'll camp out on this couch, this terrible, terrible couch. I will, I will stay here all night long. I'll help you. I'll do everything. And she said, No, I want you to go. Oh I gosh. want you to I stay. I just can't even believe that that was an somewhere option. else. And okay, so the next day, okay, the next so, day, yes, we walk in, we walk into her room. We got her favorite coffee, and on the board we just see NICU. And I'm like, No, but I knew it was coming. So I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what? That's actually probably better, but she's gone. So I'm panicking already, you know? And again, we've got, I have one bracelet. Okay. And she has one bracelet. And so I like rush. And so, so then I go to the front desk. I said, where's my baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? And they said, oh yeah, he got shipped out. And I'm <gasps> like, what? And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Nope. He's here. Oh my gosh. I was like, can you, can you just drive me? I have no hair extensions left. <laughs> I know. I was like, I literally have <laughs> my hair out. What's going on? So I go in there. And it was the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. He's, I mean, just screaming in pain, shaking the tremors. Mm -hmm. He has a feeding tube now. And they said they think he had a seizure. He didn't. Okay. He didn't. But they thought he did. And that's why they brought him to the NICU. And birth mom is hysterical. She's, I did this. I did this to my baby. Um, and again, you're kind of feeling the same way. But that's not your job. Your job is you did the best right. you could with your situation, you're making this beautiful choice. What can I do to support you? Right. That's your job. That's what you do as an adoptive mom. Right. Even though it's terrible because you're feeling the same way right. and it's heartbreaking. I mean, he's he's just in so much pain and he had to be naked because he had a fever. So all he has is his little tiny diaper on and they said, and they come and they said, we're taking him to Hushabai Nursery, which was the best thing that could have ever happened for him. But as an adoptive parent, you're concerned because the mission of Hushabai Nursery is keeping families and babies together, working through drug exposure and keeping those families together. So then you're thinking, oh no, we're going to go here and you know she's going to change her mind and choose to parent. But wait a second, how can the state say that isn't there like a certain amount of time that she has to prove that she can be off drugs yes. if they're reuniting? So it's it's with the whole family. It's not just with birth mom. It's like if yeah. you have an uncle or an yeah, aunt who's going to take the baby. But they have so many resources at this place that they're able to keep a lot of families together. And I mean, they have people that work there that are true success stories that came in there using and were able to keep their family and prove it because of the resources they have wow. at this place. So again, you know, you always want whatever is best for the baby. Right. 
But, you know, you love this baby. You're connected to this mm-hmm. baby. You see this baby as your baby, even though he's not yet. And we just knew it was our job to take care of the baby and take care of how we could help her. So then they come in and they tell her, um, she's like, I'm going with him. I'm going with him in the ambulance. They said only one person can go. She's like, I'm going, I'm going. And they came in and they said, you need a blood transfusion because you lost so much blood. And she said, I decline it. I'm going to decline it. And they're like, are you going to leave against medical advice? Mm-hmm. Which is another big thing. A big thing. With Which exposure. Which paperwork also. Yes. So I said, I remember Amy clearly saying, if they leave against medical advice, it's very messy. Do everything you can to make yes. them not do that. Yes. So, the paperwork is messy. The adoption is messy. And I remember our birth mom said, I'm just going to drink a lot of orange juice because it has iron. Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah. You need this blood transfusion. You need this blood transfusion. Yes. Absolutely. So I said, you know, I, I sat down with her and I said, let me talk to her. And I said, we've got this. Mm-hmm. We will take care of him. We will. I will go with him. And I said, he needs you to be strong and your strongest self needs this blood transfusion mm-hmm. to be healthy and strong for him because he needs you to be strong. Right. And I mean, she's hysterical. She's in tears. She's, it's hard. I mean, it's heartbreaking. And she loves him. She loves him. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she had already been using when she found out she was expecting and you can't stop because that's worse. What hour are we on? Like 48 hours and it's 72. So you had mm-hmm. one more day for her to sign paperwork. Well, oh, except that we found out. Twist in the story. People are like, this is a long podcast. This is a long but podcast. this story I'm is so, so sorry. It is the fascinating. Twist, the well, then we found out that there's Native American. Oh, no. My gosh. Yes. So, so now cool. you have to apply to so the tribe. That changes that changes things on a whole different level. Um I'll get to Hushabai and then we'll do the Native American thing. So we, uh, I convinced her to stay. And I said, as soon as your transfusion is over, the agency will get you an Uber and you can come right to the nursery and we will be there. But you need to get healthy. You need to take care of this. And she didn't want to, she didn't want to, but she did it. Which I was just glad that, you know, again, you have to, it's so hard because you have to take your mom hat off for baby and put it on for birth mom and back and forth. Right. Um, and it's really, it's very hard to do because you're feeling so many different emotions. So she stayed, she got it. We got in the ambulance and we took him to Hushabai Nursery. And was Hushabai nice to you as adopted? They were amazing. Mom. Oh, they were. Hushabai, I mean, there's just not they enough good things. They teach you everything. everything. We, we are running out of time, but I know they teach you yes. how to hold the baby, what to expect with the baby. And yes. I had another family, like I said. Reach, you know, talk to Noah and they're going through that. They're adoptive mm-hmm. parents, but they're at Hushabai and they're going through those steps with yep. this amazing place. Like we needed that place. Yeah. So Hushabai Nursery is basically um, an opioid withdrawal NICU, essentially. Mm-hmm. They do not have any babies there that are sick. They like they can't be on. They can't need oxygen, anything like that. They have to be completely well, except they're experiencing withdrawal symptoms from opioid use. Okay. So we were there a very long time. Their average stay is like three to five days. And we were there for just shy of two weeks. Okay. But that's because. But I heard babies stay in the NICU in the hospital for for months, four to six months. Yep. So they and they kind of had said, you know, if he were in the NICU, he'd be there for months. Yeah. Um, just because of, you know, how because they don't know necessarily how yeah. to hold the baby. Or... They don't. And and what they do at, at the NICU is they, whenever there's NAS symptoms, they just give them morphine. Right. Any symptoms are like morphine, morphine, right, morphine. Right. And the goal at Hushabai is get them off the morphine, get them off any drugs as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So he was, um, so they started that. I mean, he was, he was severe 
withdrawals. I mean, mm-hmm. everything. It was it was heartbreaking, but they, they were so amazing. Everybody there. And, you know, we were kind of about a week in and he was still, they, they call it captured. He still wasn't captured. He still wasn't like comfortable. Um, and they said that's because he was also exposed to, um, I'm blanking on the word, Xanax. Okay. Those, those drugs, benzos. Okay. Benzos, which surprisingly are also on the list of very, very hard to withdraw mm-hmm. from very painful, very hard. So they added another um, drug to help Soon him. That. Mm-hmm. Clonidine. Help him. Clonidine. Yep, mm-hmm. clonidine. So they added in clonidine and they kind of, you know, they said his stay is going to be longer, but we think he needs this because we need to capture the withdrawals from the benzos. Right. So, oh my goodness. So wait a second. So she comes with you. So you're dealing with her also coming in and out with her drug use while you're there, yep. and now you can't sign paperwork. How long did you wait to actually? Ten days <gasps> to get the paper signed. Ten paper days. Signed. So she went and signed at seventy-two hours, but okay. that was just for um, the state. So federally, um, because we found out he was Native American, um, that has to wait ten days, and you have to do like a little court hearing mm-hmm. that she had to go to. And again, that's getting her to show up to an appointment on time. It was so nerve-wracking. And we're taking care of this baby all hours of the day and night. The feeding schedule. I mean, taking care of an exposed baby is no joke. Mm-hmm. So it took 10 days, um, but everything everything went through. Um, the, the Native American was a big twist, big twist. And she said, well, I didn't really think about that because my grandpa's Native American, not me. And we're like, that's oh, okay. pretty Native American. He's a part of a tribe. So um which super cool. I can't wait to dive into learning yes. more about his culture. So cool. Um, made adoption very complicated and much more expensive. Adds like another five to six thousand. Oh my goodness. There, which we didn't have. We didn't plan for that. Right. Nothing in the story was as planned. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, Hushabai's taking really great care of the baby. We're there supporting him. Birth mom's coming in and out. I mean, you know, I'm getting calls in the middle of the night where I can tell she's completely out of it. She says, you know, she passed out in the parking lot. The EMTs came, but they said she's fine. Mm -hmm. She comes to the nursery, is using in the shower in the nursery. But if they go in to check on her, then they have to kind of like step in legally because she right, and you brings didn't want drugs foster. into a, a NICU. And we, you know, we, we're trying to avoid as much of that as possible. So, so they said, you know, can you go check on her? Okay, oh she's fine. <laughs> you know, she's, you know, leaving in the middle of the day, just immediately leaves and comes back. So, I mean, it was very hard. It was very messy. And then um, we get home. We bring him to the doctor the next day, just a regular checkup when you bring your baby home. And he got an ambulance ride for pneumonia. Oh, no. So he gets pneumonia. Oh, probably from the tubes. Is it from the feeding I, tube that causes pneumonia? I I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, I've never heard that. So that that would that would make sense. And he, um, it was a struggle. And it was also the same weekend as our daughter's birthday. But this, your poor daughter is probably like, "Where's my mom and dad?" Well, her beautiful birth parents came in. Oh, and, and took they care of her? filled that role. Oh my gosh, and helped that's while we crazy. Were doing that. Yes. Well, that's really cool. Okay, it was really cool. So, how is he doing now? Would you name him? Coulter with a K. So okay. Coulter and Kimber. And how K's. is he doing now? He's doing well. Um, you know, we're we're having a little bit of struggles, maybe some GI stuff, but we'll get to the bottom of it. He's the happiest baby in the world. Aww. Happiest baby, easiest baby, sleeps so well. He's so awesome. And how's your relationship with Birth Mom? So Birth Mom um has been kind of in and out. Mm-hmm. We haven't been able to make it work for us to meet up again since. We've tried a few times, it just hasn't worked out. But 
you know, we want as open an adoption as possible. Right. We do know she's sober right now. Okay. Which is amazing. So we really look forward to that. And we look forward to, you know, meeting the rest of her children. Yes. And we actually connected with birth dad. How did you even know who he was? Um, he was mentioned. She had showed us. That's how the Native American thing came up. She was showing us a picture of her daughter that they share together. Mm-hmm. She said she's got that beautiful Indian hair. And the agency goes, Uh-oh. what do you mean Indian? She says, well, you know, Native American. She says, oh, you signed all these papers that said there was no Native American. So in doing so, you know, we learned his name and um, I knew his name. But that, but that was really all. So, you know, a couple months ago, I'm getting my hair done. And, you know, I keep everyone in the loop. I have a big right. mouth. I'm an open book. Did you meet him? We met him. And he was amazing. And we met the daughter, the five-year-old. Well, I'm so happy you got to meet him. I'm going to have you back on the show because you're going to have to talk about that and all of those pieces that fit together. But you did get an exciting part of your story. Your first one was super I easy. Did. The second one was like, was a bumpy up, ride. Up. Yeah. It was a bumpy ride. But, you know, it's it's beautiful and it's all worth it. And it's it's very heartbreaking. Every adoption does come from pain. But it's all about, it's about the kids. It's about the love and embracing their entire birth story. Yes. That's the most important thing. You embrace the ugly, you embrace the bad, and you're always honest with them, no matter Mm. how hard it is. Drug use and all of it, all the messy, because that's what they need to hear, that you love the whole story. It's so, so true. And that you showed a lot of love and compassion to you know, his birth mother and that you were there for her and you were an advocate. And in some senses, you're parenting both. It is hard to parent a newborn and parent, you know, the birth mother that needs you so desperately. And I always say there's a reason why we're in this situation. You know, if her life was perfect, she probably wouldn't be in this situation. If she didn't need love, then we wouldn't be connected, but she does. And I'm here to fill that role. And you did too. So thank you so much for driving down and spending time with us. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode.